Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. This morning as we start the, the message, I want to um, pray the prayer for us that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Uh, it's a powerful prayer. And uh, I want you to really pay attention to the words as I pray this over us this morning. There's so much power here. There's so much uh, uh, just release of the Spirit in this prayer. And uh, anytime we pray Scripture, we pray uh, with a lot of power because we're praying the Word of God. And uh, Isaiah 55, 11 says... Um, that my word that goes forth from my mouth will not return unto me void, but will accomplish that for which I send it forth. And um, that, that's what I'm going to pray. So I know that these prayers are going to be powerful and effective as I pray uh, this prayer from Ephesians. Paul starts it in Ephesians 1, chases a rabbit for two and a half chapters, and then finishes the prayer in chapter 3. Chasing rabbits in the Holy Spirit is a good thing, by the way. But anyway, just going to pray this over us this morning. Glorious Father. Give this church and the people here your spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know the Lord Jesus Christ fully and intimately. I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we can know the hope to which the Lord Jesus has called us. Please reveal to us the riches of Christ's glorious inheritance in the saints. By the way, we're his inheritance, and he loves that. Jesus, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Holy Spirit, just release that power in us. The power is Christ's incomparably great, great power as he lives his life in us and through us. Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may fully reign in our hearts through faith. That you will, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will make our hearts more and more your home and your throne as we trust in you. Father, I pray that, that we will become rooted and established in love. That we may have the power together with all your saints to fully grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge. And Lord, please fill us completely with all the fullness of God. Father, you are able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ever ask or imagine according to your power at work within us, your church, your body. To you be glory in the church and through Jesus Christ, through all generations forever and ever Amen. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was meeting with Dennis Kozlov. Uh, Dennis and I meet every every couple of weeks, and uh, we were we were meeting, uh, and uh, he said that the Lord had really challenged him to do something that he had kind of gotten away from, and that was meditating on Scripture. You know, in Psalm Psalm uh, one verses two and three, it says, uh, yeah, "Blessed is the man." Blessed is the woman who meditates on his word day and night. For that person will be like a, a tree planted by streams of water 
who's, who bears fruit in, in season, whose leaf never withers. The leaf in, in Hebrew stood for faith, so our faith never withers in whatever we do, what, whatever we do prospers. I mean, that person that meditates on God's Word is, is, has those promises. And so he said, Neil, I really want to challenge you to, to do the same thing. I hate Dennis, but anyway... Um, <laughs> He, he really just, no, he's one of my best friends in the world, but, but I love him because he always, he makes me better. He, he's always challenging me with something. And so, uh, you know, I took that challenge and I went home and, and, and I, the next morning in my quiet time, I was like, Lord, what, what do you want, what scripture do you want me to meditate on? And he immediately told me Isaiah 55. I'd already been kind of, kind of camping out in Isaiah 55. I'm a New Testament guy. I love the New Testament. I like the Old Testament stories. I'm not big on, you know, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but, you know, I'll read it when I have to. But I love the last several chapters of Isaiah, and uh, i just kind of been camping out over the last two weeks in Isaiah 55. And this is kind of an intro to my sermon, in case you didn't catch that, <laughs> because the, the title of my sermon this morning is, let me make sure that I'm on here, there we go, is Come to Me. And I want you to notice how many times you hear this phrase, or at least the word come, where Jesus is talking about us coming to him. And one of the things I've discovered in studying, kind of, kind of doing some background study on, the, on this um, wonderful passage of Scripture, it's very much like a psalm. Isaiah 55 is very much like a psalm, but it's chuck full of promises and exhortations from the, from the prophet uh, but I want, I want you to notice what he says here. I've discovered, though, that this is about the new covenant. Like, this is about the new covenant under the old covenant. Isaiah was writing in the old covenant about the new covenant. And he says this, Come all who, who are thirsty. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. The waters always represent the Holy Spirit. If you're thirsty for the Spirit of God, if you're thirsty for more of God, he says, Come. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come and buy milk and wine without money and without cost. How do you buy something without money? Well, it's, it's, it's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. We just sang about that this morning. Jesus has paid for everything that you need to fill your soul. Okay? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? The, the, this is really important. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the riches of fear. Come and eat. Come and drink from me. Come and eat my body and drink my blood. Come and drink of my spirit, the living water. Give ear and come to me. There it is again. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Guys, this is so important. This, this, this message this morning is from the heart of God, I assure you. And he talks about the covenant that he will make with us, which has already been made and ratified in the blood of Jesus. And then in, he says this in verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The new covenant gives us an invitation to come in close to God. You see, the old covenant was, was put in place because the people of Israel were scared of God and they didn't want to come near to God. When, they, when, when God called them through Moses to the foot of the mountain, they were terrified and they said, No, Moses, you talk to God. 
and you just get us the rules and come back and tell us what we've got to do, but we don't want anything to do with this terrifying God. He's too scary. And it broke God's heart, and so he gave them their list of rules, which they couldn't keep. And that was the old covenant. It had to do with religion, not relationship. And so... The invitation now under the new covenant is to come. Come in close. Come near. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Come. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me, he says. Last week I ended with Jeremiah 29, um, verses 11 through 14. I ended my message with this. I'm going to pick up right there where I left off and by the way, I would really encourage you to go and uh, we have last week's message uh, in audio form on the, um, um, on the website, vineyardnorthridge.org, and we also have it on Facebook. You can find it on Facebook where it's live. The audio's not great, but we're going to get that fixed in, next week, and we're going we're, we're to be live streaming the, the service uh, and with good quality audio coming up. But anyway, here we go. Yeah, so, so the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. First of all, these are God's plans. He's the one that's going to do this. He has good plans for you. He has future plans for you. He has plans for you filled with hope. What is our part? What is our part? Then you will call upon me and come. Here it is again. Come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God wants us. Nancy said it well. God answers prayer. He wants us to come and talk to him and have fellowship with him. He wants us to approach him, draw near to him, talk to him, and he will listen to us, but we also need to listen to him. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. That's new covenant. Just come on. Come and seek me with all your heart. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this weekend about this very verse and, or passage. And I said, you know, I, I know that you have big plans. And I know there's a lot of stuff that you want to do. And you look at your future and you have all these ideas and everything. But I said, what? I mean, that's really God's part to fulfill that stuff. He knows his plans for you. Yours is to seek him with all your heart. Because when you get him, you get it all. When you get him, you get it all. Now, I want to I share this. Um, so we'll move into the New Testament now. And I want to share this passage uh, in, in Mark uh, chapter 3, verse 13. This is the calling of the, of the original 12 disciples. You guys are also disciples. So this applies to you as well. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside, and in the other two synoptic gospels, in, in Matthew and Luke, it says that he prayed all night, seeking the Father's heart, seeking the Father's will, seeking him with all his heart to know who to call. But look at this. The next verse says, and he called to him those he wanted. He called to them those he wanted. By the way, he wants you. He wants you. You are called to be his. And look at this next verse. And they came to him. Come to me. He called them and they came. Guys, you may have been here 40 years, or this may be your very first time ever in this church. 
But you're here for a reason, and Jesus is calling your name. He's calling you this morning. He's calling you. He's calling your name. He loves you. He wants you. He wants you close. He wants you to be his. And he appointed the 12 that they, may, that they might go out and preach. He appointed the 12 that they might do many great works. He appointed the 12 to preach the gospel. He put, no, wait. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him. That they might be with him. He spent three years with these knuckleheads. There were times that he got really, really tired of some of their boneheadedness. I mean, these guys weren't super bright all the time. Sometimes they just didn't have a clue. Of course, there's sometimes I don't have a clue. I don't know if you've watched The Chosen yet, but if you haven't seen that, you've got to you know, sell all you have and, and do, you know, watch that movie or uh, series. Peter was a knucklehead, man. Oh, my goodness. And Andrew knew it, you know, his brother. He's like, what are you doing, dude? But, but he called them to be with him, to spend time with him. He spent day after day, night after night with these guys, talking about the Father, talking about the kingdom that he was going to confer on them once he left. But he wanted them to know him. See, that's the most important thing. Jesus didn't say, this is eternal life, that you might believe that Jesus died for your sins. Or this is eternal life, that you might believe in a resurrection. All those, those things are important and a part of that. This is eternal life, that, life that, you might know, that they might know you, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Know the Father. Know the Son. And that doesn't just mean know about him. That means know him. Like a friend knows a friend, like a husband knows a wife, like a son knows a father, and a father knows a son. To know God, to know him. And then he sent them out to preach and to have authority to drive out evil spirits. So Jesus is calling you this morning. He has plans and purposes for your life. But his primary call is this right here. And if you skip this, you've missed it. Guys, I'm telling you if, you, if you skip this part, you've missed it all. You've missed it all. Come to me. Come to me if you're tired and burdened. <laughs> Come to me if you're tired and burdened. And I will give you rest. Man, there, there you are. Did you know that when God created human beings, by the way, we're human beings, not human doings. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> when he created human beings, it was the last thing he did. And then he spent the next day resting with them. We were the pinnacle of all creation. We were the last thing. He always saves the best to last. We were the last thing he created. And then he rested. And we rested with him. We started our existence resting. And if someone says, we, don't, we shouldn't be working to rest. We should be resting to work. School of Kingdom Ministry, uh, there's this chart that shows the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it has to do with, the Father has to do with relationship. The Son has to do with identity. The Spirit has to do with destiny. Belonging, being, and doing. 
And the, the, the fellow who's teaching this says, if we get that reversed, if we don't come out of belonging and then being, our identity is who we are in Christ, and then we do out of that. If we start with doing so that we can be, so that we can get our identity from what we do, so that we can belong, if we get it the wrong way, burnout, desolation. It's just, it's just flipped on its ear. It's swimming upstream. We need to go with the stream of, of, of God's intention for us in the Spirit. Being, or belonging, being, and doing. And so Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. I love, uh, well, anyway, yeah, so, so, yeah. Come to me, all you who thirst, and I will give you living water. This is, this is a promise. That's what he was saying in Isaiah 55. That's what he's saying. So, so this, the context of this verse is, if you'll remember, it says on the last and great day of the feast, there was this feast that they were having in, in Israel. And, and the last day, what the priest would do, he would take a, a, a pitcher, I think it was silver, he would take this pitcher and he would go from the temple down to the pool of Siloam and he would dip this pitcher into the water and he would march back with this throng of people with him, and he would pour the water over the altar. And it was a, it was a powerful ceremony, and, but, but, and, and there was complete, from what I understand, there was complete silence when this was taking place. How many of you know that when, when ritual becomes rote religion, that all power is gone from it? I tell you, what, someone, someone was saying this week how they hate when the Lord's prayer is prayed like, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." It's like Mary had a little lamb who sleeps as white as snow. It's it's meaningless. Meaningless religion is like eating sawdust. And so, in the middle of this ritual, where nobody really even understood the meaning of it, Jesus stands up as the fulfillment of this whole thing, and says in a loud voice, right in the middle of their silent ceremony, just really messed things up. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You notice he didn't say into his innermost being will flow living water. He said out from his innermost being. That's because uh, when a glass is full, it can only overflow. Somebody said there's nothing more pitiful than trying to watch someone that's half-filled overflow. we got to be filled with the Spirit. We, we, if, we, if you're thirsty, come to the waters. Come to Jesus and drink. And then John points out that he was talking about the Holy Spirit that hadn't yet been given because Christ had not yet been crucified and, and risen. When he went to the right hand of the Father, he sent the living water. He sent this living water. Come to me, all you thirst, and I will give you living water. I'll give you my Holy Spirit. I love the Smith Wigglesworth. Man, he's, a, he's one of my heroes. This dude was amazing. I think he is credited for like raising 19 people from the dead. Miraculous stories of healing. I love this man. Uh, and I'm, I, I recently picked up a devotional book by him, and, and this was from a couple days ago. It says, the inner workings of the power of God must come first. The inner workings have to come first. We have to be full before we can overflow. It is He who changes the heart and transforms the life. That's what I talked about last week in last week's message. 
But he has to transform us from the inside out. Before there is any real outward evidence, there must be the inflow of divine life. The living water. The spirit. Come to me and listen to me that your soul may live. Come to me and listen to me that your soul may live. In Revelation 3.20, and I put this in the wrong spot, so when I get there, I'm going to skip it. But it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and them with me. Eating a meal with someone was second only to marital intimacy. That's why the Pharisees were so bent out of shape with Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. Because when you shared a meal with someone, you were actually connecting with them in your soul. You were, you were experiencing deep intimacy with them, and they were appalled that Jesus would do this with tax collectors and drunkards and, you know, the people he came to save. And he offers that invitation to you to have deep, intimate fellowship with you so you can learn from him, like the disciples learned from him. Like, the, like they were there, you know, I love that Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if you've seen the Chosen, but he was the guy that wrote everything down. He was the only one on the Sermon on the Mount taking notes. Did you know that? Uh, there's a joke about, you know, uh, Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount and, you know, they start asking these school questions like, uh, is this going to be on the test? Should we be taking notes? You know, Matthew was taking notes. And so, and so he, he got it. But Jesus wants to teach us. He wants, to, to, uh, he wants us to listen to him. Because his words have life. If you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 in John, there's a follow-up story to that. The other Gospels don't record this, but Jesus crossed the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and those guys went around the Sea of Galilee and caught him on the other side and tried to make him king because he had fed them all with nothing. And then he begins to teach, and he says, I'm the bread of life, and, and you know, my, my flesh is true bread, true bread, and my blood is true drink. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they all left him. All those thousands of people that had just been miraculously fed abandoned Jesus when he began to teach because it sounded like cannibalism. And it was pretty disturbing to the 12 as well. And he turns to the 12, the only ones that, you know, the, only, the, the crowd's gone, and they're the only ones left. And they're standing there scratching their head like, what is he talking about? Has he lost his mind? And Jesus said, do you want to leave me too? It's one of those brilliant moments of Peter. I mean, he didn't have many, but this was one of them. He said, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Your words are life. We may not even understand them. They may sound crazy like cannibalism, but somehow we believe that the words that you speak have life, and they have life to you as well. They have life. Come to me and stay with me. Come to me and stay with me. I don't know if you realize it or not, but, but uh, this is what stay with me is really the best translation for our English-speaking culture when it talks about abide in Christ or remain in Christ, that's how some of these translations, whatever that Greek word is, I meant to look it up, but whatever the word is that's translated abide in, in me or, or uh, remain in me, it, actually the word stay really fits 
Because we go and stay with relatives, or we stay at a hotel, or we stay home, uh, you know, a lot lately. But we st- wherever you stay, you, you, you kind of you go there, and you just kind of you just have to hang out and just be there. And that's what Jesus wants. He, he wants us to be with him. He says, stay in me, and I will also, I also stay in you. As I stay, he's like, I'm going to stay in you. I'm going to do that. When I come in, I'm going to stay. I'm not leaving. But you can run in and out if you want to. But I'm asking you to stay. Isn't that beautiful? The Savior comes to us to stay with us. But he doesn't force us to stay with him. He invites us to stay with him. He invites us to stay No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must stay in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you stay in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you stay in me and I stay in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It's your choice. If If you want your life to count... If you want your life to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, if you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if you want your, your life works to stand uh, the judgment bar of Christ where our works are tested by fire, and you want to come through not with wood, hay, and stubble being burned up, but gold and silver and precious stones, you have to remain in him. You have to stay in him. You have to stay with him. You have to have that deep, intimate relationship with him. There, we're going to skip right through that. There we go. And then learn from me. Learn from me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He just wants us to hang out with him and, 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 and just dump our burdens and, our, and our, our cares and our worries and our, you know, wasted efforts and just... And just His yoke, it's God's will for you, whatever that is, and it's easy and light. He promises that. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, even though you bear a yoke with me. You come to me, you learn from me. I love, um, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I love with a message uh, translation of this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on dead religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Isn't that beautiful? I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's what he wanted in the garden. That's what, that's what he had for us and we walked away from it. Walk with me and work with me. and Watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus will never burn you out. He will never burn you out. You can burn you out. Doing, doing, doing so that you'll be, so that you'll belong. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? It's really inviting, isn't it? That's the invitation, guys. And then follow me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.